Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. I'm your DJ today, my name is Doris, and today we have a guest, John Parker from the UK. Hello. Hey, hello, hello, thank you for having me. Neither of us are qualified to talk about American things, but I love that. <laughs> yeah, neither of us. We'll bring the European perspective into this one. Today we'll be talking about song number 13, so we're not doing it minute by minute, we're doing it song by song. Today we're going on a little safari to the beach with <laughs> the Beach Boys. Today's song is Surf and Safari, which was released in June of 1962, so it was brand new when we consider the setting of this film. Ah, and is this is this early in the Beach Boys' career? Because I know a lot of their songs, but I don't know their, their story. It is their second ever single released. Ah. And it is, it, it was the A side of a single. It was supposed to be the B side. The other song is called 409, which refers to a car, actually, which refers to a hot rod. Ah. So I find it interesting that George Lucas didn't choose the other song. Maybe he thought that's too obvious. Probably too obvious, and I don't think 409 was that successful. Hmm. Well, even so, though, I think that's better to use in a way. You want to pick the more obscure one, but I, I guess he's gone with the big one because that's what these kids might have been listening to. It was probably the one that was played on the radio and hmm. not the obscure backside. Yeah. So, um, in our scene, we have Carol and John Milner in the car. And a little bit later in the scene, John says he can't stand that surfing. John, how do you feel about <laughs> surfing music? <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. This is this is a difficult one for me because I have never been surfing ever, ever, ever. I I'm not really one for the beach. I don't like the beach very much. But I like the Beach Boys and I like songs about surfing. I I don't know why. <laughs> I think maybe it's like something to do with I like the the freedom that they're singing about the expression you know like a, it's a bit like skate punk that you got yeah. in the early 2000s although the skate punk songs never sang explicitly about skating really there's there's a few songs but it's the same kind of vibe isn't it it's like we are free and young and doing what we want so I like that kind of um that feeling even if I don't like the specific uh, act of surfing <laughs> I know what you mean. I mean, they're, they're saying we're loading up the woody, we're driving to the beach. Hmm. And there's a certain romance connected to surfing, even if you've never been surfing yourself. I mean, I've never been, at least I tried once, I think. <laughs> I felt miserably. By the way, I tried surfing in the UK. Oh, oh, in oh dear. In Cornwall, in Yuki. So, <laughs> I don't know whether that's US. a good thing or a bad thing, yeah. <laughs> it's very cold. <laughs> It's pretty much always cold. That's the problem. <laughs> and I got stung by a wasp that day. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So my ex personal experience with surfing is not that positive, but the feeling <laughs> I get from listening to the to the music is summer, young people, tan yeah. skin, freedom. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, you can connect with it on that level. Even if you don't know anything about surfing, then you, like you at it least... Gets, you, you... It gets you in a certain mood, right? Yeah, when you listen yeah. to it. So I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it to a degree. But I can understand at the time, if you're hearing song after song after song about this, because the Beach Boys have become a big thing, you'd be sick of it. You'd be like, oh, for God's yeah. sake. Yeah, totally. Two songs in a row tops. Yeah. By the way, it was um, their second single in the US. It was their first single release in the UK. Oh, okay. That makes sense, I suppose. It was released in Germany, so... 
let me bring my perspective. Oh, okay. But they used a different recording than the one we're all used to. I don't know why. And it didn't chart at all. So Germans, no fun, you know. <laughs> hey, we're here to break that stereotype. Yeah, we're having fun today. <laughs> it went number one in Sweden. Oh, okay, okay. So it, it really did go worldwide quite quickly. But Sweden, another country I'm not connecting with surfing, actually. No, I mean... Although they have a lot of coast. Yeah, I imagine... I've never been to Sweden either. My, my uncle lives in Denmark, quite close. I, I imagine that you probably don't want to go surfing in their water, do you? <laughs> I don't uh, know. I don't know. I've been to Sweden once, and that was in January. So <laughs> I surely wouldn't want to go surfing there. <laughs> oh, it's cool to see it was worldwide so quick, though, because, you know, you assume maybe, like, retrospectively, Europe kind of got into the Beach Boys, but it sounds like people were, were really on board with this American thing quite fast. Maybe, maybe because it's like part of the rise of the teenager as a concept. Yeah, I mean, the teenager only exists since the late 40s, basically. Mm, mm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure if, if the concept of the teenager already existed in Germany in 62. <laughs> <laughs> it took a bit longer, maybe. <laughs> well, if I look at my parents who were teenagers then, no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love looking at old pictures of like family and stuff and, and they'll show you this this photo and they're like, oh, here, I'm 17 and they look about 45. You know? Yeah, yeah, that is something that you notice from pictures <laughs> from that day. All right, so we have a real teenager in this minute mm. or in this scene because Carol in the movie is 13 and the actress is 13 or, or 12 when the movie was shot. So she's Basically, one of the few um, actors in, in this movie who are actually the age they pretend <laughs> to be. Because all the others uh, are supposed to be like 18, 19. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Ron and um, Charles Martin Smith, they were the age, but all the others were in, in their 20s already. Yeah, isn't Richard Dreyfus like 25, 26 or something? Something like that. He was surely one of the older ones. He comes across older, but not in a way that takes you out of the movie. I think he just, his character, it suits his character because his character is a bit more... Serious. A bit more mature and serious. Yeah. yeah. All of the things that are connected to Kurt come across as not like the others. Yeah, his car is different. His taste of music is different. But I, I like that because it's a realistic friend group because um, yeah. every sort of group of friends I've ever had, it's been that kind of dynamic where we're all sort of different um, and we sh shouldn't sort of gel together, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of a really diverse group and you say, these people shouldn't be friends, but they are and that's great. <laughs> and uh, I like I like this whole storyline between these two characters in, in this, uh, this scene because it's quite yeah. genuine because this character, like she probably does have a crush on this cool older guy. Of course she yeah. does. Like every she's she is in that age gap where she's she's just between child and annoying teenager. <laughs> yeah. She is she is in the more annoying phase of teenager. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there and I can totally relate. And this is the very beginning. She just got into his car like thirty seconds ago and he's like Ooh. How old are you? <laughs> I like that though, right? Because he's he's annoyed with her, but he very quickly kind of comes around. Not in a not in like a sleazy way. He's he doesn't try no. anything. He's not no. interested in that. But um... although she she kind of plays <laughs> on that very very fast. But um, at the end of the scene, when she squirts the uh, shaving cream in his face and he wipes it off, and he looks at her. <laughs> This is this. I kind of like you. Yeah, smile in his I face. got that. Yeah. When I watched the movie, I didn't notice. But when I was watching this specific scene to, you know, just reacquaint myself with it for, for today, that's what I thought. Like, he, he 
is annoyed, but he gives a little grin, like, you know what, you're all right. I like you. Yeah. Like, he's not going to do anything untoward. Maybe maybe he sees her like a little sister almost. Yeah, and maybe he's impressed that she actually, uh, well, I know how to get things out of men already, <laughs> and I'm only 13 years old. <laughs> yeah, true, true. That's the kind of woman he probably would, would like when she's older. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I like the way as well he's really concerned about being seen with her. Like he's worried people are going to see him because it would... When he, he is the cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what will that do to his reputation? <laughs> yeah, because it wouldn't look cool. It would look creepy and he knows it would look creepy. Because there's only one reason people in this world of the, of the movie and stuff drive around with a girl. <laughs> <laughs> a girl girl. Yeah. <laughs> and also she is not dolled up. She is the girl girl. She is in her jeans, this t-shirt that is way too big for her. <laughs> yeah. And her little bag, her little handbag. Is the is the t-shirt era appropriate? I don't know because um I think so. I see. I, I, think so. I always associate big baggy shirts with a little bit later on. Like to be honest, I was wearing shirts that big in the 90s. <laughs> it's probably it's probably a men's shirt, mm. but um I mean, if it's really 1962, I'm not a historian uh, regarding um costuming. Well, I suppose it's only it's only been filmed like 10 years later, isn't it? So. Exactly, 72. So it it's basically if it's out of date, it's just 10 years out of date. Mm. So mm. who cares? I mean, Kurt's car is also out of date. <laughs> This is a hell of a car, though. This is a uh, Ford from the 1930s. And we actually see it driving down the strip. The scene starts with the cars going down the strip. We see all the lights, all the shops. There's a Chasey Penny's. And there is, of course, this little hint at another George Lucas film, the license plate <laughs> yeah. on the car. What does it say, John? Did you notice? THX138. Yes. <laughs> Of course. He has to have this reference in every one of his movies, I guess. I love that. I think that's so cool. That that's a he must be one of the first people to do stuff like that, right? I've I've Yeah, and yeah. it's he wasn't the ultimate successful director at this point. It's his second big film. So and he's already referencing himself. I like that. <laughs> that takes guts. That's that takes a lot of guts. That's cool. The thing with this though, it like it's so different to both THX and Star Wars. Like all three of those movies are so different to each other, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I don't get the vibe from this. If you didn't tell me, like, it was George Lucas at the start or something, if someone just put this on, I wouldn't know it was him. I mean, this guy practically has so many different personalities inside of him. This was the youth that he lived himself. He was this kind of person in a hard rod, driving races. And I just, if I look at George Lucas, I can't imagine that he really was yeah. into that scene. I can see it. I can see it. Like, I imagine that's probably why he put the pod racing in episode one, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's very, it's got a vibe of like the drag race that you get in this later on. I won't spoil anything. It's got a vibe of that. That was definitely a reference back to American Graffiti and his, his drag racing. And you say like this is his, it's kind of like an autobiography of his life or what, sort of, sort mm -hmm. of. Is there a character that's specifically George Lucas in this? Or has he kind of split that into, into all the characters? He has split that into almost all of the characters. He says, Toad is him at high school, the geeky kid that everyone made fun of. I can see that. John is his racer identity when he was doing the car stuff. And then we have Kurt, who is his film student identity. When he got serious, went to university, started being creative. The only character that he said that he 
isn't part of him is Steve. Okay, okay. Which is why he had the most difficulties doing all that relationship stuff. And we know George Lucas is not that great at writing about relationships, <laughs> I guess. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's true. It's true. He admits it himself. He doesn't like kind of emotion, <laughs> does he? Yeah, well, if you look at interviews, um, he doesn't come across as a very emotional person. He probably is, but... He will be deep down, it, but yeah. He keeps it to himself pretty pretty well. <laughs> and I like the way as well um, in this scene she says, boss, when something's good. Because I live in Liverpool, and that is one of the most used words here. Like, if someone says, oh, I've uh, I've ordered us a pizza... You'd be like, oh, boss. Wow. So I didn't know. Not only did I not know that Americans said it, I didn't know they said it back back then. I don't know if it was important from the UK or it came over. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's great because I, I, I mean, even in the rest of England, you don't say it. It's only here in Liverpool. <laughs> but then, of course, Liverpool as a uh, very international city, port, mm. port to the west. Yeah. yeah. So, and a lot of connections, uh, oddly, with Germany. Yeah. With uh, Hamburg, I think. Hamburg, yeah. a different sort of music than the Beach Boys, but the same time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they kind of yeah. go hand in hand, even though they're different. Yeah, it's, it's 62 is, is that. I think that's the year when the Beatles really went big, right? Yeah, around then, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, makes, that makes of sense. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, Port Cities, Hamburg and, and Liverpool as Port Cities, they would have a connection and, of course, the music connection. Uh, see, this is how things get around. And maybe maybe that's why characters in this might know the word boss. I don't know. We're just speculating, people. <laughs> We're making it up as we go along. Well, I, I possibly cannot comment on... Um, slang uses usage of, of words in the 1960s in, in America, especially in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, I'm out of my depth on that one. I like the way as well here he uh, he thinks that rock and roll died with Buddy Holly. He is. Now, mm, he's wrong, right? Buddy ain't the best Buddy. <laughs> well, if you like Buddy Holly. He's fine. But, um, sometimes I have I have this feeling that John always, um, he, he tries to be the James Dean. He tries to be cool. Yeah. And of course, James Dean was in the 50s. So. He's got a James Dean vibe. I thought that actually, yeah. Like he's got the cigarettes rolled up in the sleeve of his T-shirt, which I've only seen in movies like this. It's great. I mean, he's supposed to be slightly older than the other characters, um, probably already in his 20s, which makes him kind of an outsider in that high school kid group. Well, I think maybe that adds to the kind of sadness of him because you, you get that vibe throughout the movie that he's not going anywhere and he kind of knows it. Yeah, and this is his life. He's doing stuff that he always does on Friday nights. Yeah, even if it's kind of time that he maybe shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, maybe he, he's already living in the past, like mm. in the 50s. That for him was the glory days. And... Yeah, I could see that. Although, you know, the best rockers are clearly Little Richard and Eddie Cochran. Fight me. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I will not fight you because I think you're right. Uh, com com compared to um, Buddy Holly, surely. Yeah, especially, right, the one that annoys me the most with the 50s rockers is Elvis, right? He's fine. He's fine. But he's not revolutionary. Look at Little Richard. He's revolutionary. He is a black guy in the South in the 50s who's openly bisexual with a big bouffant hairdo wearing salmon <laughs> pink suits screaming at people. Uh, like That takes guts. Yeah. 
I mean, Elvis is just the black stuff repackaged into something that is digestible for white teenagers. Exactly, exactly. And, and it still... still causes some kind of scandal because he's shaking his hips. But the other <laughs> one shake, uh, shook their hips as well. Exactly. He completely stole that, which which is fine. You know, everyone takes inspiration. But, you know, the, the, the masses kind of just latched onto him a bit too much and didn't look at the inspiration, like where it came from. As always, bloody happens. <laughs> And then, of course, um, if we say that John, musically and um, kind of mentally, lives a bit in the 50s, Carol, of course, is the next generation onwards. And she is into this totally new music, which is surfing music. Even though she's never been surfing. <laughs> no, probably not. We don't know. I mean, they're in California. She could have been surfing. Maybe, maybe. I suppose it's though like, um, you know, a lot of music I'd listen to when I was like 14, 15. It would be about things that I didn't understand. It would be about, you know, I, I liked uh, heavy metal and stuff then. And, and, and then I got into punk rock and stuff. So, it, and they're singing about topics I don't have a clue about. <laughs> I just find it interesting that she is the youngest character in, in this movie. Um, it's also the one that likes the newest music. Hmm. Because if you look at the the songs, most of them were already kind of old. Yeah. For 1962, a lot of them are from the 50s. I'd say yeah, probably probably a fair chunk of them, most of them maybe. Yeah, and if you listen very closely, I'm not sure if you can actually hear it. The Wolfman in the background says, "This is something that is brand new that has just been released." Ah, like this week. Like this week, and um, this is one of the of the then newest songs. In the soundtrack. Ah, okay, okay. And, you know, it's uh, not going down too well with uh, with John here. <laughs> no. He really does try to be like the growing up here, even disparaging music taste. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like your dad insulting your music. He used to come into my room and be like, What's this rubbish? <laughs> Turn it. Off. Yeah. Dads are the same everywhere, right? And big brothers too. I think so. I think so. I haven't got a brother, but uh my Me dad neither. definitely they're definitely the same. And uh, he's kind of like fulfilling that role. He's sort of being her dad in a way, without wanting to be. Like he he's gotta look after her. Yeah, he's the grown-up for the evening. <laughs> Which is probably the first time he's been in that position. Very likely, and no fooling around. He's going to be responsible now. Yeah, yeah. Something he takes on very reluctantly. but Maybe it's a good thing for him, though. I think maybe he needs a bit of responsibility in his life. Uh, probably does. But uh, you can cut this bit out, but as we see at the very, very, very end of the movie, it doesn't kind of matter, because the end of the movie's dark. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least Carol is gone by then. Yeah, true. He's taken her home. But yeah, she kind of makes him face uh, his responsibilities. Mm. In, a, in a weird way, though, because then she does a dark thing by saying uh, he, she's going to say that he tried to rape her. <laughs> Which... <laughs> yeah, because there's this cop pulling her up behind them. And of course, um, small town cops, they all know um, each other. So the cop knows John. And I mean, how did this 13-year-old girl learn to be so manipulative? I know. That's crazy, isn't it? Like, at least you can say, though, she knows how to look out for herself. She's not naive. Yeah. No, she is definitely not naive. She will make her way in life. I'm, I'm sure of that. I think that's why we as an audience like her as well. Like, we see her through his eyes. Like, we, we don't think, even though she's being annoying, I don't come away from this thinking, God. God, I hate her. She's annoying. <laughs> no, she she fluctuates. For me, she fluctuates between ah, she's really annoying right here. <laughs> but then oh, she she knows herself. She is not stupid. She yeah. she knows how to handle herself. I like that. So although saying accusing someone of rape when they haven't done anything is uh, probably not the best thing to do. <laughs> 
maybe maybe she uh, got told that by her big sister. I don't know. Oh, probably, probably, yeah, yeah. Because we don't see that that is before that um, scene, but um, of course she's riding in the car with her her big sister and her friends, and they are pawning her off on John. Yeah, why is that exactly? Is it because they they don't want to look after her either? So it's an easy way to get rid of her. Probably because he was kind of being annoying. You know, someone come over and ride with me. I don't actually care who. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, John's little sister. I, I actually don't remember what her big sister is called right now, but um, yeah, she's gonna come over, and she says, "Yeah, great," and then expects of course a 17 year old or 18 year old and then you have this 13 year old girl right there yeah and at that age like that difference is a huge difference oh absolutely mm. whereas i'm in my 30s so that difference now is irrelevant <laughs> uh i have students that are older than than carol are <laughs> the youngest people i have close contact with regularly are 16 oh yeah God. so 13 year olds are an alien species by now <laughs> i think that, i do not have kids myself <laughs> the youngest person i know is in their like mid to late 20s <laughs> <laughs> jesus a kid would scare me i always think you know what i might be 35 but i don't feel old and then i'll come into contact with a young person and i'm like oh no no i am old <laughs> I suppose that's that's John's vibe here, though. He probably thinks the same. He's like, oh, I'm still cool. I'm still hip. I'm a young guy. Yeah. And then he meets her and he's like, oh, God, no. Exactly. And there's this new music. No, I can't follow with that anymore. <laughs> I mean, we, we've all been through that. It yeah. might happen to us later in life. But there is a time when we stop caring about the new stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, which is normal, which happens to everyone, basically. I have to actively try and get into new music. Um, I, It doesn't sort of come across my radar. I have to go out of my way to, like, look it up, see if I'm going to like it, play it on Spotify, probably hate it, give it another go. <laughs> well, at least you're playing it on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still turn on the radio. <laughs> see how old-fashioned I am. Oh, well, I do have the radio on... I leave it on when I'm out to keep my cat happy. Uh-huh. Because cats, they like, they like noise. They like stimulation, you know. And if there's no one in the house, it's quite nice for her. Yeah, well, I, I can't leave Doggy here alone at home. He's going to tear everything apart. Oh. I don't know what they do with him at daycare, but I don't think they turn the radio on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I've actually given up on trying to follow up with new music because it's, I'm, I'm 50. I can accept I'm old. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, you're 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 only <laughs> as old as you feel. You know, you can keep yourself. Yeah, young. some sometimes I feel sixteen, but yeah. not when it comes to music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if you really do, what I do. You know, really scour around, look for everything. You'll find new stuff that you're like, oh, this is great. Like in England at the moment, we're having like a big revival of sort of like an '80s post-punk sound. Which is amazing wow. to me because that's like one of my favorite things in the world. And there's suddenly like twenty bands who all do that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything comes back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had the 90s revival stuff, which is a little out of my teenage years already because, of course, but all the 80s stuff, that's my time. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. John, what are you up to on the podcast uh, front right now? Well, at the moment, um, oh, God, I've got, I've got my uh, projects scattered far and wide. So my uh, main things are I do Bat Minute where my co-host Niall and I cover the Batman movies one minute at a time. Uh, so you can check that out, everybody. Uh, when this comes out, we're probably going to be into our fourth season, where we wow. are talking yeah, talking about Batman and Robin. 
which some people have warned us not to do, but we're going to do it. What's your tailor? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've, I have to admit, I'm, I'm a Clooney fan, but I think I haven't watched Batman and Robin for, I think I've only watched it once. <laughs> I think a lot of people are the same, but you know what? I love it. I love bad films, so I watch it all the time. So I'm excited. <laughs> You have to watch it with the right. Um, you have to be in the right mood. Is that that's a trashy movie? Yeah, I'm gonna watch it as a trashy movie. I'm not gonna expect art, and then maybe you might enjoy it. Yeah, I'd recommend maybe like have five or six whiskeys and then <laughs> and then put it on. Yeah, I mean it's watch it as the pulp that it is. I think so. I think so. It's not a good movie, but it's a lot of fun. If that makes sense. Yeah, have some popcorn. Yeah, my my other show, my other main show is uh, I do Hedvig Inch by Angry Inch, okay. where yeah, we talk about the movie Hedvig and the Angry Inch, uh, and it's song, well, it's chapter by chapter, which is kind of like song by song. So it's a bit similar to this in a way. So I get to spend a lot of time talking about Germany because it's uh, a German character. Yeah, well. So wh why didn't I have you on, goddammit? <laughs> I don't know if you if you need someone to um, actually give you some first-hand experience of this country. Mm. Yeah, because uh, my first-hand experience has been two weeks in Berlin. That was it. So. <laughs> yeah, Berlin is not Germany. <laughs> I can imagine. It's probably like uh, coming to England and you're like, oh, yeah, I went to London. It's like, it's great, but it's very like separate almost. It's like its own thing. Yeah, it's the multicultural uh, metropolis of, of yeah. the countries. They are not the country itself. But since you mentioned it, uh, I really do recommend you go to Hamburg if you if you can manage oh, it one day. If we to. are all allowed to travel again. I would love to because despite being a very unmanly person, I um, really like the football team from there called San Pauli. Yeah. My best friend lives near the stadium. <gasps> Amazing. I want to go see them. They're like a weird, quirky, rebel football team. They're just bonkers. Yes. I have their shirt uh, like sitting in the wardrobe behind me. Yeah, with the um, <laughs> skull and bones. Yeah, skull. Yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> and when I went to Prague, I was wearing it. And of course, everyone then thought I was German and tried to speak to me in German. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's it's unusual to to see anyone <laughs> with a German football uh, jersey <laughs> if it's not Bayern Munich. Yeah, yeah, everyone, Probably. everyone likes Bayern, don't they? Oh, jeez. Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've been to Liverpool. Hey. So, beautiful city. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I like it. I've been here now. Oh my god, how long? Fourteen years, maybe. I'm not from here, but uh, yeah, fourteen years I've been here now. Crazy. Time flies. It really, really does. Yeah, John, where can people find you on the interwebs these days? Well, you can find me everywhere if you just put in It's Jonfen, J-O-N-F-E-N, which is an obscure reference to a movie and a book. Uh, so you can look me up that way. Or my shows are available at uh, thebatminute.com or hedvig.lgbt. Actually, I have three different web addresses for Hedvig. So. <laughs> I also have hedvigpodcast.com and hedvig.gay. <laughs> well, diversity rules. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to find more about American Graffiti One Song at a Time, we do have a listener group on Facebook. It's called Mel's Listeners Drive-In. And you can come and visit and talk about hot rods, teenagers, annoying surf music, whatever you want. Okay, John, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great to talk about this movie. I had genuinely never seen it before, and I'm so happy I, I did watch it. Okay, so final question for today. Mm -hmm. Did you like it? I really liked it. 
I thought it was great. It was very different to what I was expecting in a good way. It's the kind of movie I feel that you don't get a lot of, and especially not done well. It was kind of in the vein of like um, like a dazed and confused, something like that. Oh, that is interesting that you say that. Because in last scene, mm. so scene 12, song 12, someone said exactly the <gasps> same thing. Oh my God. And listeners, right? I genuinely don't know. We're, we're recording this. <laughs> That's not out yet. I have no idea. That's amazing. <laughs> well, glad you liked it. I liked it too, although it does not reflect my own childhood experiences whatsoever. No, same, same. But I think, you know, the stuff that everyone can latch on to with the characters, it feels like friendship groups I've had. It's relatable. And then everyone sort of goes their own way. It's quite sad and happy. You know, it's kind of everything. It's up and down, roller coaster, but with no plot, really, in a good way. Yeah, it hits some nostalgia buttons in the, in the right way. Okay, yeah. John, it's been great. And everyone else, see you around. Bye. He's really fast, isn't he?